And it was amazing. And it was just this really awesome experience that now looking back at it, looking back at what was a really stressful period of my life, I look back fondly. And I wish that I could have enjoyed that back then. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mick Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 36 of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Now, today's episode is a little bit different because I don't have a guest. Uh, There's nobody for me to interview. Uh, Instead, what I decided to do was to do uh, a solo episode to wrap up 2019 And I was kind of sitting and thinking about uh, the past year and everything that's happened during 2019, everything that's happened since I decided to become location independent, which was way back in 2016. Um, I didn't actually become officially location independent, uh, independent until 2017, but I was thinking about all the lessons that I've learned since then, and I wanted to take the time in this episode to cover those lessons and since it is about to be Christmas, I decided to call it the 12 lessons of Digital Nomad Christmas. You know, it's like 12 days of Christmas. (laughs) It's uh, my attempt at a joke, but anyways, I don't want to make this intro too long, but I did want to tell you guys that that's what this episode is about today. I'm going to cover the 12 lessons that I've learned since becoming a digital nomad. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right. So the very first lesson is the less stuff, the merrier the experience. This is something that I didn't fully understand until this year. Um, Back in 2018, Sarah and I were still traveling around uh, rolling, you know, suitcases and bringing all this stuff with us when we traveled. And I kind of got tired of it. It just wasn't fun. We had to deal with all this stuff whenever we went to a new place. And I talked with her and I said, let's just start bringing carry-on stuff. Let's just bring what we can, you know, just let's just bring the things that we can only carry on our back and see how that is. And it has completely changed the way that we travel and like our overall experience, at least for myself. Uh, Because, you know, I had to scale down from like, you know, rolling suitcases to just the things that I can bring in a bag. And it's still, you know, a fairly sized bag. It's 45 liters. So it's not like something small. Um, I have a set out bag from Tortuga, which I absolutely love and I highly recommend. Um, but making that switch made me decrease the amount of things that I bring. And it kind of also made me think about the quality of the things that I bring. So not only did I get rid of a whole bunch of stuff, but I also, the things that I do bring, I make sure that they're the highest quality and things that I really, really enjoy. And what I found happened, happened is that when I went abroad for multiple months at a time, I sort of forgot all the things that I left behind here at home. And when I came back, I kind of had all the stuff sitting around and like it just suddenly it, all that stuff started stressing me out and there were things that I had to take care of. And you know, you got to like clean up the apartment or the room because there's all this stuff that your life is filled with. And it just really made me think about how much more I enjoy just having less things. I wouldn't say that I'm a minimalist. I still enjoy, you know, like buying things when I need things, but I definitely think that having less things 
can sometimes really improve your experience. So that's one thing that I'll definitely say is if you guys are traveling, try to bring as few things as possible with you. You know, get a backpack and say I'm only bringing, uh, you know, these things, you know, just 45 liters and it's just so much better. It's it's a much nicer experience, not even just because it makes traveling from place to place easier, but it it's just less things to care about and uh, that's a really nice feeling. All right, so moving on to lesson number two, and that is start with the freshman dorms of location independence. I'm not sure where I heard this term, the freshman dorms of location independence, but ever since I heard it, I, I, I keep referring to a few places around the world that I think really embody that feeling of, you know, when, when you go to college, if you guys listening ever went to university or college, the freshman dorms are this time in college when everybody's doors are open and everybody is new to this new place and not everybody like a lot of people don't have friends so the doors are always open everybody is like looking to meet new people and there's a few places around the world that feel that way for people who are digital nomads or location independent some of those places are Chiang Mai in Thailand or uh, Bali in Indonesia Bangkok in Thailand is also a huge spot uh, Barcelona and Budapest in Europe are, are huge spots like that. You can easily find a lot of these spots just by visiting Nomad List. But I think if you're just getting started, those locations are a really great place to get started because there's tons of other people there that live the same life that you do or a similar, they're having a similar experience to you. So it's a really great way to meet new people and make new friends. And Location independence and the digital nomad life is something that can sometimes get really lonely, which is something that we'll talk about later. Uh, And I think that starting off in a place like this where you're surrounded by other people who do what you do and have the same, uh, you know, ideas about life and are kind of trying to achieve the same things can really help you reduce those feelings of loneliness. Uh, And one of the things that I would encourage you to do is to try and make you know, at least a few great friendship friendships uh, while you're there. And then try to match up your travels with those friends. You know, there's nothing quite like meeting somebody in Chiang Mai and becoming really good friends and then being able to meet up with them somewhere else in the world down the road. It just, it's such a fun experience. And for me, it's really what this lifestyle is all about is meeting new people, Um, that are passionate about what they do, that are interested in the same things that you are interested in and being able to meet them around the world. It's really a fascinating way to have a friendship. Um, Another thing that I would include in this sort of freshman dorms of location independence are events. Nowadays, you guys, there are so many conferences and events that are for location independent people. And I highly encourage that if you're just getting started, save up some money, establish a budget that you're going to use for this type of uh, conference or event and you will be able to meet tons of people uh, there that are location independent that you can form a relationship with. A really great one uh, that I've never been on but I hear an am- I hear amazing things about is Nomad Cruise. And the really cool thing about Nomad Cruise is that it's, it usually forces people, you know, 100, 200 nomads to be in a confined space together uh, for a week or two while the cruise, you know, kind of makes its journey. And that really gives you the chance to truly form relationships with people. And I think that that uh, is amazing. So if you're just getting started, definitely check out uh, those locations that I mentioned. Uh, there's tons of other ones that uh, are around there. There's a, like, I'd say five or 10 uh, really top locations 
uh, for Digital Nomads and check out some of those uh, events. All right, lesson number three is to build a cash buffer. This is sort of like a lesson slash tip. Um, I think that this is something that's important for everyone to do is you should have a buffer of cash, like a, you know, some amount of savings that if something were to go wrong, uh, you're okay, right? You have a buffer, you have a soft landing of cash that can cover um, some sort of issue that comes up. But I think that this is even more important for people who are freelancers or entrepreneurs or frequent travelers. As a freelancer or entrepreneur, especially one that's just getting started, revenue can kind of be unstable. You can have one month where you land a big client or you finish a big project and you have a ton of cash come in and then you might not see work for three months. And that's really difficult and that is something that you kind of get over, you know, the more that you work and the more relationships that you establish, that revenue tends to kind of um, like become more uh, sustainable, it becomes you know, kind of more predictable, but especially in the very beginning, you can go through those faster famine sort of uh, ups and downs. So before you get started, before you quit your nine to five job that you have right now, build a cash buffer. I would say you should have a minimum of three months, but I think the really sweet spot is six months of expenses. So if you look at your budget and you know that you can realistically live off of $2,000 or 1500 or 2500 whatever that number is, it's sort of like what I call like your minimum viable income, your MVI, that amount of money that will allow for you to pay your bills and to, you know, eat and just kind of like live your life, have three to six months of that saved up. And that can just be so rewarding. It, you know, reduces a ton of stress and it really kind of, uh, allows you to live more freely, in my opinion. You know, there's nothing quite as bad as kind, you know, like being stressed out about money. So save up a cash buffer. Uh, it can really do a ton. Uh, it can and it can have a lot of benefits. Um, another thing that can happen as well is if you are a frequent traveler, you know, like digital nomads often are, a lot of things can happen. You know, you might get stuck in a city and you need to get an emergency hotel room. Um, you know, you might get hurt or you might get sick and you need to go to the emergency room. All of these are things that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, put in your budget every month. So it's good to have a little cash buffer that can kind of take the 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 hit of those sort of uh, cash needs. I said that in the most weird way possible. Uh, anyways, on to lesson number four, and that is that being location independent is not the solution to your problems. This is something that I thought I was really bored. I was really kind of unhappy with where I was a few years back, and I remember thinking, oh, if I can only be location independent, if I could only become a digital nomad, everything else would be fine, and that's not true. My problems didn't go away. My insecurities did not go away. What ended up happening was that I had four or five months, maybe six months of like bliss. And it was like every day was a gift. Every day that I woke up and I didn't have to wake up to an alarm and rush to work and like sit in traffic was absolutely amazing. But after those five or six months, it kind of wore off. And the problems that used to be there before came back. And I just, you know, don't think that this change in your lifestyle is going to be the solution to all your problems. 
you're not going to solve, you know, your insecurities and your issues and, and all those things by traveling. I hear people all the time saying that they, you know, go traveling because they want to discover themselves and traveling can challenge you to look at life differently and to look at your life differently. But I'm not a big believer in like that it's going to like cure your problems. So just know that going into it and know that if you have bigger problems, if you have bigger challenges, like, you know, like deciding what you're going to do with your life or, you know, where your passions lie and like those things, those things don't go away. Um, you can find those things and be location dependent, but just don't think like I did that, you know, being location dependent and being a digital nomad is just going to make every day of your life be bliss. That does not happen. All right. Moving on to lesson number five, and that is don't put the lifestyle on a pedestal. This is kind of related, kind of related to the previous point, but I used to like look at people who are digital nomads and who had been able to achieve location dependence, and I thought that they were superhuman. Like, I kept thinking, what do these people know that I don't know? Like, why do these people get to have achieved this thing that I haven't achieved? And I just kept thinking that there must be something that separates them from what I have. And in reality, it's not. They're just people who committed to getting to achieving this and worked on it constantly and they were able to do it. It's just it's exactly the same like people who become accountants or doctors or lawyers, they have a goal, they set aside to, you know, make that thing happen and they do. And there's really nothing special about it. The people who you look up to who, you know, like I look up to podcasters and YouTubers and other, you know, and like very successful business people. And I've had the chance to meet a lot of them. And what I realize is that they're people just like you and I, you know, they have insecurities. Uh, they have goals that they want to achieve that they don't quite feel like they can grasp. And we're all just the same. And just don't put the lifestyle on a pedestal. Uh, if you do that, you can make things so much more difficult. You know, like it's easier than you think it is. Just commit yourself to the goal and work on it every single day and you'll make it happen. Lesson number six, and I'm honest, this might be one of the most important lessons in here, and that is to find your tribe. I remember when I first got started, there was no one around me who did what I wanted to do. There was nobody who I could look up to or who I could talk to who was a digital nomad. Like, there's nobody in my personal life. Like, I couldn't call up somebody from my neighborhood or, you know, that I went to high school with who had done it. Uh, and I actually remember, this is a funny story, I searched digital nomad in Cincinnati, and this website came up called Life Nomading. And I called up, I, well, I didn't call, I emailed the founder of it, the guy who was writing all the blog posts, and that person is Ian Hoyt, who is now a very, very good friend of mine. Uh, and that was the first person who I met who kind of had similar dreams and similar aspirations to myself. But since then, I've been able to find a huge community of people who are in this lifestyle, who are location dependent or trying to become location independent. Um, a few years back, I joined a an online group called Location Indie, and that has made so much difference in my life. I've met amazing mentors. I've met amazing friends uh, through that That. I literally talk to on a regular basis and we help each other go after our goals. And these are people that I meet up with around the world. Like I talked about more recently, you know, it's like, or in one of the past lessons, I've met some of these people like literally all over the world. Some of them I've met multiple times. 
Uh, a lot of them have been on this podcast. And so it doesn't matter if it's location indie or if it's something else, but just, you know, there's even Facebook groups out there. So just spend some time and find a group of people that you get along with because you can't do things alone. Uh, this is, you know, entrepreneurship is a very lonely journey. And on top of that, if you want to be location independent and an entrepreneur, those are the two things that tend to be kind of lonely. So go out there, find a tribe, find a community, just surround yourself with people who want to do what you want to do. Uh, it, it can seriously make all the difference in the world. All right, on to lesson number seven, and that is that you don't have much time with people, so make it count. This is, it's it's one of those things that I sort of hadn't realized before. You know, you kind of live every day if you live in the same city and you never leave and you're always surrounded by the same people, your family live in that city, you know, you, you you're, all of your friends live there. You kind of tend to feel like, you have all the time in the world. You know, those friends are going to be there tomorrow. Those family members are going to be there tomorrow. And when you become location independent, you don't. You don't have that feeling anymore. You know that you leave at the end of the month and you realize that that is a finite amount of time and you and you don't have that much time. So make it count. You know, when you do meet up with your friends, when you do meet with your family, make it count. You know, be fully focused on that time uh, you're spending with those people. There's actually a really good article out there um, on a website called Wait But Why called, I believe it's called The Tail End. And the author talks about, um, he did this calculation and figured out by the time that he was done with high school, he had spent something like 90 or 95% of the time that he was ever going to spend with his parents. And it made him really realize that after high school, he essentially had just 5% of his relationship with his parents left. And reading that article really made me think about, about that, that, you know, you don't have that much time with your loved ones um, and be conscious of that. So one of the things that Sarah and I have started to do is that we use our location independence to be with our friends and family. Yes, we go out and we travel uh, and we kind of scratch that itch for ourselves and we go and we like to spend time in these different places. But when, when we come back, we are fully engaged with our family and our friends here. You know, one of the things that I've talked about previously in an article is how I've been able to use my location independence to spend more time with my grandma. You know, my grandparents raised me up until I moved to the United States. And since then, I haven't been able to spend much time with my grandma. You know, I go back when I was in high school, I'd go back maybe every other year and spend a week with her. But I really haven't had the time to sit down and spend multiple days. Uh, and currently, I can go back and be with her for a couple of months and and kind of reintroducing that longer relationship in my in my life has been incredibly rewarding. Um, similarly, Sarah, my girlfriend, she realized that she hasn't had the opportunity to spend her dad's birthday with him since she left high school, just from internships and summer jobs and all that kind of stuff that you get busy with uh, during college. She realized that she literally hasn't been with her dad for his birthday um, since she left high school. And so in 2019, we made it, you know, a goal to spend his birthday with him. And so what I would say is 
don't just use your location dependence to go and work out of these exotic places and, you know, skip winter or whatever, but spend, you know, use your location dependence to spend time with the people that matter in your life. All right. Lesson number eight, the 10th country isn't as great as the first. This is something that was put into words really, really well by Mark Manson. Um, he's a phenomenal author who is, uh, he wrote the book called uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, if you guys are familiar with it. Um, but he was recently on the Empire Flippers podcast. Uh, I will add a link to that podcast and all the other things that I've mentioned, uh, all the other resources that I've mentioned in this uh, episode, they'll be in the, um, in the show notes. So make sure you go check those out. Um, but Mark Manson was on the Empire Flippers podcast, and he talked about the diminishing returns of travel. And essentially, he talked about how the first time that he traveled abroad, it was this amazing experience that really opened his eyes to different cultures and the way that other people live their lives. But that as he continued to travel more and more, and he visited more and more places, that didn't really come back. It was just never really as great as those first few countries. And just like everything else in life, I think that there's diminishing returns. You know, it's like that 10th or 11th country really doesn't have the impact that that first or second one does. And that's this is one of the things that I've learned more recently now that, you know, I've traveled to a whole bunch of countries. And in some ways, I, just like Mark, I... I look for that feeling that I had the very first time that I that I traveled internationally and I spent a prolonged amount of time somewhere else. And that feeling has never really come back. And since thinking about that, and this is kind of like what Mark talked about in that interview as well, is that it's okay for you to, you know, go back to the same place more than once. It's okay for you to go back and spend long periods of time in the places that you enjoy. You know, uh, just back in October, just a few months back, Sarah and I spent a month in uh, Budapest, which is a city that we absolutely love. We've been there three or four times. And you can kind of have this guilt of like, well, I have this freedom to be anywhere, I should be out there seeing new places, but no, it's 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 really not, you know, that 10th or 11th country is not going to feel the same way as that first or second. So you might as well go back to those places that you really, really enjoy. Don't stop seeing new places, you know, because you never know that amazing place might, you know, another amazing place like our Budapest might be still ahead and still out there for you to explore, but don't feel like you need to constantly be going to new places. Go to the place that you like the most. Spend as much time as you want to there. And this is one of the reasons why, actually, I remember back in 2016, maybe 2017, if you had asked me if I wanted to go to every country in the world, I would have been like, yes, I want to go to every country in the world. I want to visit all of them. And that's not a goal of mine anymore because I don't know. It's like, what's the point, you know, just to like say that I've been to all the countries in the world? So, this is just one of those things. I know this is kind of like a weird thing to talk about and that like, oh, like you're telling me that it's okay for me not to like, you know, travel. But I don't know. It's something that maybe this is a lesson just for myself that I have learned. I don't know if this is helpful to you guys out there, but there truly is a, diminish a diminishing return of travel. And just it's okay to if you if you identify yourself as a digital nomad it's okay to not be completely nomadic it's okay to go back to the same places over and over again and to establish home bases just spend time 
you know, th that's why I prefer the term location independent. I actually don't really like the term digital nomad that much because it's almost like feels like in order for you to be a digital nomad, you need to be nomadic. You need to be constantly moving around. And I think it's much better for you to just be just just spend time wherever you want to spend time. All right. Lesson number nine, and that is making money online doesn't necessarily mean that you are quote unquote free. This is one of those things that I see online all the time is people talking about the freedom of making money online. They say, you know, quit your nine to five job that, you know, it's white collar slavery and it's all of these things. And, you know, move to Thailand. You know, if you can even make just 500, 800 bucks a month, go move to Thailand and be free. And while I agree that moving to Thailand, even if you're making, you know, 800 to 1,000 bucks a month can be a good move, especially because it will give you, you know, if you only have to work a couple hours a week to make that money, it can give you a lot more time for you to work on your personal projects, on your own business, whatever it is. But I think that a lot of people get stuck at that point. Um, I've met and I've seen a lot of people who, are still there. They're still making 800 to a thousand bucks a month or whatever it is. And they're living in places like Thailand or Bali. And they're kind of stuck in those places. You know, they, it's like they've created their own version of, you know, like not slavery is a really strong word, but they're stuck, you know, and, and they, and it can be easy for you to feel like, oh, you're free because you make your money online, but in, you you know, I've met people who can't come home to the United States because they're only making 800 to 1,000 bucks a month. They can't really come home and spend time with their families uh, for prolonged amounts of time because they don't have that amount of income. So making money online isn't necessarily going to set you free. You need to work up to the point where it becomes sustainable, where you make enough money online that you can live anywhere, that you can come back home for as long as you want to. Um, so if you're in that point where you're, you know, you feel like you're, you've made it and you're making just enough to live in Southeast Asia or those places, um, I would push you to grow, get, you know, start bringing in more money because you never know what can happen. Um, I was speaking with, I had somebody on my podcast a few episodes back, his name is Chapin, and he talked about how he had to come back home to the U.S., he was in South America, and his mother got sick, and he had to come back to the U.S. to take care of her, but his income level wasn't at the point where it was sustainable to live in the U.S., and that was something that was really difficult for him. So, you never know what can happen, you know, maybe you want to start a family um, maybe somebody gets sick or you get injured or there are tons of things that can happen. And if you're in that position where you think that 800 or a thousand bucks a month are going to be enough for you to be quote unquote free, it's not, you know, so grow your business. If you do want to go to Thailand on that money, use that location independence to go there, to work less time for somebody else to build a business. Uh, but don't stop because it, it's just not enough. All right, moving on, we're almost there, guys. We're at lesson number 10, and that is that you can make money doing anything. Uh, I have just been so surprised by the ways that people find to make a living online. Uh, I'm just not surprised anymore. I, I don't get surprised when I hear people talking about some of the crazy ways that they make money. Uh, I've met people 
who make money playing video games. I've met people who sell, who like build products in video games and then sell those products to other characters or other players in the games for real world cash and make a good living doing it. Uh, I've met people who make a really good living editing scientific papers that are written in English by Chinese scientists and they need to be corrected and edited. That's something that I would have never guessed is a thing. I've met people who make money uh, playing poker online. There's like literally so many ways to make money online. Uh, and that just goes to prove that no matter what your skill is, no matter what your interest is, there's somebody out there who will appreciate it. You just need to find them. So yeah, just this is just one of those things that I don't think people who work in a nine to five job or not necessarily nine to five job, but who are kind of in that normal corporate structure who live in the U S who are not introduced to all of these different things, like aren't quite aware of is just how many ways there are to make money, uh, and all the interesting things that people are doing out there. So that's one of those like lessons that I just, I don't know. It, it, it gets me so excited. You guys can probably hear it in my voice, but I get so pumped when I meet somebody who, you know, is like making money in a way that I'm just like, I never even thought that, that was possible. And it's just really one of those cool things that you get to discover when you become location independent and you travel to those hubs that I talked about, like Chiang Mai, you know, you'll bump into so many people who do really, really cool things. Lesson number 11 is you're only as good as your tech. Uh, this was a lesson that I learned the hard way this year when my laptop just crashed. It just did not turn on one morning and I wasn't ready for it. Uh, ev essentially everything on my agenda for the day was erased and I spent the day running from computer repair shop to computer repair shop and the day ended with me having to drop like thousands, I think it was like 1500 bucks or whatever on a new MacBook Pro. Oh no, actually I think I got it on sale because it was a holiday, and I think it was like 800 or or 1000 bucks. Either way, it was not money that I was prepared to drop on a laptop at, you know, on that day. Um, so what this has taught me is that you're only as good as your tech. Take care of that stuff. And one of the things that I really like is Dan Andrews from the Tropical MBA, who's been on the podcast. Um, he was on the podcast a few episodes back, has in the past talked about having like a tech savings fund. And what he suggests is having about $3,000 in that. And this is sort of like that cash buffer that I talked about more recently. Um, I would suggest that it's a different fund so that you have a cash buffer for six months expenses and then a tech fund. And he suggests having about $3,000 because he's the kind of experiment, the thought experiment that he ran was if everything that he owned were to be stolen, how much money would it take for it to be replaced the next day? Um, and for him, that was about $3,000. So I would suggest to kind of take an index of all the things that you use to, you know, live your location dependent life, to be remote, um, to, you know, be a digital nomad, you know, your laptop, your cell phone, um, your backpack, your clothes, all of those things. I know that those aren't necessarily tech, but it's good to have a little bit of money set aside for in case the things that allow you to exist in the way that you do to be digital nomad and to be location independent. It's good to have money ready to replace those things. Always store your things in the cloud. Make sure that your computer is backed up. Those are just lessons that I 
did not learn in time. Um, so when you live in a digital life where your entire life is run off your computer, make sure that you have money set aside that if that computer was to crash, you can fix the problem immediately without it hurting your day-to-day -day life. All right, you guys, and moving on to the very last lesson, and that is that being a digital nomad is hard, guys. It's hard, and it's it's okay for it to be hard. Um, you know, it can be a really lonely experience. Oftentimes, you're not around family and friends. Um, it can be really tough to kind of have that quote unquote, like that work-life balance, you know, like it can be really tough for you to set work hours. You can find yourself working literally all the time. Um, and you can find yourself working really at, at, at very odd times. You know, I remember when we were in Southeast Asia at the beginning of the year, I had to stay up until like two or three in the morning to be on client calls and team calls. And that's just, you know, one of the trade-offs and it's okay for you you know, I think people listening to this can be like, okay, well then just stop, you know, then if it's so hard, why are you doing it? And that's not what I'm saying. I guess what I'm trying to say is that it is a trade-off, you know, I wouldn't trade my lifestyle for anything. I love the way that I'm living my life at the moment, but it can still be hard and it's okay for you to be able to say that it's hard. Uh, I think that sometimes people are just afraid to say, uh, to talk about the difficulties of it because they feel so privileged to be able to do this, but it is hard and it's and it's real, you know. The same way that living uh, a normal life of not being location dependent can be hard, but at the same time very rewarding. That's perfectly normal as well. Um, but yeah, it it can be hard. There is new challenges that you need to face, you know, like digital nomads and people who are location dependent who move from place to place. You know, then you need to find a new place to live every couple of months. Uh, you need to be booking flights all the time. You need to deal with time zone changes. Uh, and also, you need to deal with a world that isn't ready for your type of lifestyle. You know, you need to deal with visas and, and border runs and all these crazy things in order for you to sort of like fit into the legal world that has been created uh, for most for most people. Uh, you know, the the border runs are just one of those things where for those of you guys that know what a border run, it's essentially, you know, you can be in a country visa free for X amount of days. And on that last day, you just jump, you know, over to a neighboring country and then come back into the country that you were until then in order to restart your visa free time in that country again. And so those are just those things that you need to deal with, you know, that make a little, a little bit more difficult, but it can also make it more exciting. Um, another one of those really big struggles, especially for U.S. citizens, is health insurance. Like, if you are self-employed or a freelancer, how do you deal with health insurance while you're traveling? You know, that's why traveler's insurance is so important. It's actually not something that I have, and everybody tells me that I should have it, and I totally see the importance of it. But it, I guess what I'm trying to say is, it's okay for this to be difficult. It's okay for you to talk about you know, the difficulties of it because it is, it's tough, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just something that it's good to know before. Also, it's good to know before you become a digital nomad that it is tough. There are difficulties that you're going to have to deal with and you should be prepared for them. So that's it, you guys. Those are my 12 lessons of digital nomad Christmas. Um, in conclusion, I guess I just want to say, I, I know that this is sort of, I'm sneaking in a 13th lesson, but I just have to say it is that 
it's, you know, everything is going to be all right. If you're just getting started, I know how stressful it can be. I know how tough it can be to find clients or to make this life sustainable. But if you keep working at it, it's going to be okay. It's going to turn out fine. So you might as well enjoy the ride. I remember, I can't, I think this was like about a year and a half ago, but I was talking to my friend Travis Sherry from Extra Pack of Peanuts, and I was kind of telling him about how stressed I was and how I didn't know if the thing that I was working on was going to work out. And he smiled at me and he told me that he remembered being exactly where I was today just a few years ago. And that if he could go back in time and tell himself anything, it would be to just relax and enjoy the ride because it will all be okay. And that made me think about, and this is going to be the last thing I leave you guys with, but I remember back in 2017, it was our first year that Sarah and I were location independent and we were in Spain and we decided to take a small trip to an island off the coast of Spain called Tabarca. And it's a national preserve that's just beautiful. You can dive with fish and they don't run away because they can't be... um, you can't go fishing there, so the animals come up to you. It's absolutely beautiful. If you have the chance to go, you should definitely go. But one of the things at the time was that we didn't have that much money, and we were stressed about cash, and we were stressed about, you know, when we went over there, we couldn't afford to go sit at the restaurants and, and eat at those places, and there were just constant stressful thoughts going through my head of like, oh, my God, is this going to work? Am I going to have to go back to my job as a lifeguard? I just remember that period of time being so stressful and looking back at it, I was in this beautiful place and Sarah and I had made sandwiches that we packed with us uh, and we couldn't afford the restaurant. So instead we sat on these like rocks and ate those sandwiches. And I, I wish just like Travis told me a few, a year ago or so, he told me, you know, like you're going to wish that you weren't so stressed out and that you were enjoying that moment fully. So yeah, I totally agree with him now. I wish that I could have gone back to that moment in Tabarka and just told to myself, hey, this is a moment that you're going to look back at fondly. So stop stressing out about it. Everything will be fine. Just keep working at it uh, and it'll be fine. Don't stress at it. Enjoy the moment. So that's it, you guys. Those are my 12 lessons of Digital Nomad Christmas. I know I snuck in a 13th there, um, but I couldn't help myself. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Do you guys like these sort of solo episodes where I just sort of talk about things that I've learned or things that I've tried uh, and experimented with? Let me know. If you guys enjoyed this sort of thing, I will do it more often. If you hate listening to my voice (laughs) this much on an episode, uh, let me know as well, and I won't do that as much. But thank you guys so much for being a listener of this show. Uh, We're almost, we're approaching 40 episodes I dreamed of a day that I could say that I'm approaching 40 episodes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening and have, you know, happy holidays and a happy new year. And I will see you guys in 2020, I believe. Oh no, there's one more episode before new year's. So uh, stay tuned for that. But yes, happy holidays. Enjoy time with your family and loved ones. And I will see you next Monday. 